Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And thanks to Scott for getting the call screener up. Oh, he had to log in and all this other stuff, and Drew had to help, and I just stood there with a blank look on my face. But anyway, hello. How is your plant world doing? If you'd like to talk about it, simply give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And as usual, Saturday mornings, we start off with a good gardening stroll. Then afterwards, we can discuss what's going on in your yard, what's impacting your trees, your plants, your perennials, your annuals, and everything else, including your plants indoors. And uh, what kind of impact does your dog have on your plant materials? Or uh, is there insects that you need to be suspicious of or spots or transplanting or can you take cuttings or what should you be doing now? Maybe just enjoying? Why not? I'll share my knowledge to help you make a good decision, but the action you're going to take is going to be up to you. So remember, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you having me in your plant world. Very Another very important player is Drew. As I said, he's producing, so he'll answer the phone. He just needs your first name when you call. And then he'll put it up on the caller screen. Yes, caller screen. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come and see your plant world face-to-face. On-site consultation is a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage will have my email address and phone number. Well, let's get strolling. This walk... Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Massive calorie pear trees planted as street trees. Hmm. And the trunk has all kinds of gnarly roots twisted around them at the base. There's a brick sidewalk there. There's an upright juniper that's very blue-berried. Lots of blueberries there. And there's a historic square across Mississippi. And this was at the corner of Mississippi and Park Avenue. 
Squirrels were bouncing around in a redbud tree talking, and I don't know who he was talking to, but I, I don't think he was talking to me because I don't speak their language. Maybe he was. And there's uh, a small oasis here that's actually across the street from Lafayette Square. Several benches offer a place to sit down and just relax in the shade. Plantings include iris and daylilies, which have already finished flowering, but the foliage on the iris still looks very good. The daylilies are kind of starting to head down a hill a little bit. Variegated liriope. It was dancing with some sedum autumn joy. Sedum autumn joy was really starting to open up as far as flowers go, and this variegated liriope with that yellow stripe really looked nice, the combination of the two of them together. There's hosta and lily of the valley and smilacina, all embracing tree trunks, planting spaces at the base of the trees. There's some euonymus, the evergreen euonymus, and it's climbing up some locust tree trunks. There was a pair of loppers. Hmm, I should have stolen them, maybe. Why would they leave them out like that? But anyway, there's a hose there. There's soaker hoses, and they're getting just ready to go to work whenever somebody comes out and starts using them. American holly, there's shrub junipers as well. And uh, some other things that are going on, there's a really tall decorative urn which has cascading vinca minor, variegated vinca minor, and begonias planted in it. Sunflowers, they were smiling along with some thyme and some creeping jenny. A trio of sparrows almost flew right into my head. I can't believe how close they got to me. You know, I guess they were just uh, going crazy, but there were lots of birds, and the air was just full of morning music from the birds, and that was really nice. There was a lot of dog walkers and families out enjoying this very cool for this time of year, at least what we've experienced lately, morning. So anyway, it was just, uh, it was nice. And a drive back uh, to get here to the station, I went down Park, and I tell you, Park Avenue, even the newly developed areas, as well as, of course, the historic areas of Lafayette Square, are unbelievable as far as planting goes. So if you're really into plants and you'd like to just take a stroll for a couple blocks, that would be a place that you you could go besides the botanical garden. Because, I mean, the variety of plants and the in the settings of the homes and everything else and green spaces, it's really, really nice. So, again, if you have any questions or concerns, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. We do have a caller. Why don't we go to Phil's? Hi, Phil. Uh, hi, thanks, Mike. I'm doing something wrong with my tomatoes. They look real nice, but I'm getting yellow leaves now, and those, and they're dying off a little bit. Just at the bottom. Well, they're working away. They're working their way up. Oh, so just in uh, your fertilizing and everything else. Yes, yes, Sam. So you're doing everything you possibly can. So the only thing I could think of, my guess would be, our goofy weather might be having an impact, and but you're probably compensating with you know those dry spells, but uh, it may be just a little bit too much moisture because we know tomatoes like a lot of or they like moist 
but it might just be too much. Some of these rains we've had have just been uh, drowning. So, well, I've been watering quite a bit, too, so that's probably what it is. Yeah, so just cut back on the watering. Okay, thank you. Yep. Do. Thanks. Sure, thanks, Phil. And if you do have questions or concerns, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. We'll be back after these messages. Uh, quite the rainstorm yesterday, wasn't it? Hmm, it's kind of amazing. Look out the window. Huh? Wow, that's a lot of water coming down. Let's head over to Lori's. Hi, Lori. Ah, good morning. Good morning. I have crepe myrtle that is almost reaching the gutters. And I just wanted to know how and when I can trim it. Basically, the time to prune is right after it finishes flowering. So you're talking probably late summer, maybe into the fall, prune it at that time. Or if you don't feel like pruning it then, you can wait and prune it in the springtime, early spring, late winter, early spring. So sometime uh, before Ides of March around valentine's day okay and and is it do i just um like keep capping it off or what how do i trim it well i mean you can just i wouldn't take too much off because if you get down there where the stems start getting bigger they may not have any functional flower buds being formed there you know even though they're they you know they form them in the springtime to bloom for in the summer it still could be, uh, like, ugly. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> Don't want that. Don't right. want that. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much. Sure, Have my a great pleasure. Okay. And Bye. now let's head over to Mike Shard. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have a couple problems. Uh, I've got a, a metal trellis that's rusted on the bottom rung. Now, I've tried growing things on that side, and for I put this climbing rose because I've got a purple clematis, uh, and this is a yellow-red climbing rose. But anyway, uh, I've tried, you know, all kinds of uh, rose food and flower food, and the last thing I did was put some fertilizer that I used for my azaleas and rhododendrons. And now that thing is really growing. Could that be uh, something that that rusty uh, trellis has given off that's causing things not to grow? Uh my guess is that's probably not the case. Okay. It's probably just this, you know, the soil and that, you know, individual, you know, circumstance. But that's kind of surprising that, uh, you know, I mean, the roses don't necessarily need an acidic, you know, fertilizer. But if you're having luck with that, and you said you used regular rose food and it wasn't working. No, I used uh, Miracle Grow. Oh. I used the uh, Bayer with the insecticide in it, uh, inse- uh, or root feeding, you know. Right. I've tried a couple different things, and then finally I said, out of frustration, it's been two years now, I went and put this uh, azalea food, and it's going crazy. (laughs) So, well, just, you know, watch out because, again, the roses don't necessarily like an acidic soil, so it could maybe work right now, but it may not lead to, let's say, a long-term aesthetic success. Okay, well, I'll... I'll keep an eye on it. But uh, one other thing, uh, on this uh, purple clematis, there would happen to be a seedling on a mimosa tree growing. And before I knew it, it was like two and a half foot. And anyway, uh, when is the best time if I can try to dig that up 
and out of there and replant it in an open area. What would be the best time for that? After the uh, foliage falls off in the fall. In the fall. Okay. Yeah. Good. I, uh, you know, I, I, I've got a chocolate mimosa, but for some reason it's, Leaves are turning yellow. I don't know if it's because the deer were raking their antlers on the um, bark and opened it up last fall. I finally put a uh, plastic uh, drain tile around it, but uh, I don't know if that's what's causing it or if it's because of the hot, dry area. Yeah, and that particular variety is not necessarily a good variety for here anyway. So that's, you know... Probably problem part of the problem. Is that right? Well, I, like I said, I saw it and it had red flowers instead of the pink. I've had right. some really good, beautiful mimosas, but the the freeze thaw in our winters has really took out some big, some nice mimosas on me. You know, oh, that's too bad. a lot of uh, butterflies and hummingbirds. But. Right. Well, anyway, thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. Sure, my pleasure. All righty. And let's head over to Don's yard now. Hi, Don. Hello, am I on? Yes. Hey, I just had a question about, um, so I had a tree cut down three years ago in my front yard, a big gumball tree, and got the stump ground out and everything. Of course, there's still some wood and whatnot in the soil. I've got some uh, fungus and mushrooms popping up in that area. Is there anything I can do aside from just kind of re-leveling it and putting fresh dirt down to get rid of that growth? Well, you're not going to get rid of it because those mushrooms and fungus and things like that, it's growing off the roots because they're dying. So there's nothing you can really do. I mean, putting other soil down or anything else is not going to really do anything, (laughs) to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm just looking at it. I'm like, I got to be able to do something. My neighbor's yards are pristine, and I got this big bald spot with mushrooms growing out of it. And I go out there and (laughs) dig it up with this little garden shovel every once in a while. But, you know, they keep coming back. I'm just like, maybe I just let it run its course until it's done. Yeah, there's nothing you can really do. I mean, uh, you can't inject anything. You can't put anything on the ground. And speaking of mushrooms, Tracy and I were, I forget exactly where we were driving in South City. But we saw this a circumstance like what you're talking about. You could tell, I could tell as we drove by that that's where a tree had been taken out. But these yeah. mushrooms, the the caps or the heads, they must have been six or seven inches across. They were huge. I was just surprised at how big they were. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you guys ever come across anything, uh, I'll be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, good luck. <laughs> Yeah, it's a matter of patience when it comes to something like that. And now let's go to Brandon's. Brandon, how are you? Hi. I just wanted to make a comment about what you said about roses in acidic soil. Right. Um, maybe I misunderstood. You said that they didn't need them, need acidic soil? No, they don't. Okay, because I grow lots of roses, and rose, and I've been growing roses for 30 years. And roses prefer 6.5 PCH, which is slightly acidic. Right. So, um, I guess what you're, if you're defining acidic as like blueberry, then no. But they don't want they don't want uh, basic either, though. No, they don't because that's too you know too alkaline. But most plant material do like you know whether it's a lawn or whether it's roses or the majority of the plants want a slightly acidic soil or more acidic. The only things that don't are like lilacs and clematis and things like that. They like more alkalinity. Okay. 
So, but anyway, thanks for your insight. Yep. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Again, a product that uh, we get a lot of calls related to mole situations and mole problems, and people don't necessarily want to have traps. But here's a product that uh, I have not used personally because I don't have mole problems, but I have talked to people when I've gone to their homes for walk and talks and things like that. And they have used this product called Kaput, K-A-P-U-T. And what that is is a kind of a gel that you inject into surface tunnels, which that's the feeder tunnels of a mole. And as a mole comes tracking back along that tunnel, then it can run across this Kaput, this gel stuff that you've injected there, and then they'll eat it, and then that kills them. So that's kind of a a good way to go about doing it without having the choker loop or Victor spear traps or, you know, kind of going out there and trying to shovel and digging them up and everything else. So that's one option for uh, getting rid of the mole circumstances. And with this rain and everything, a lot of the, you know, insect problems that uh, I was noticing just as I was walking around and everything else seems to subsided a little bit. Because, I mean, some of these rains have been so strong that even you know, a lot of the insects will, you know, more or less hide on the underside of the foliage and things like that. But they're getting knocked off onto the ground, and that's kind of making it so the damage is minimal, at least for the last couple of weeks. So, which I'm, you know, certainly gr- glad and grateful of, for that. And again, I'm going to push the fact that... Uh, you know, we've been talking about soil pH. Get your soil tested. Find out what's going on. That way you know what you can grow, what you need to add, what you don't need to add, and it's going to be to your advantage. In the University of Missouri Extension Service, they do soil testing. The cost is not great, but you can drop soil samples off uh, in Kirkwood. Uh, you can you know, actually send them down to you know, Columbia and everything else. So just go online, check out the University of Missouri Extension Service and find out exactly which way you want to do it and how to take the sample and everything else. Let's head over to Jack's yard. Hi, Jack. Hello. Hi. See, uh, I, uh, I've i got cucumbers coming and their vines are nice and everything, but i got no flowers on them and they're about two feet tall now. And I also got uh, zucchini plants and they look like a bush. And they got a lot of flowers on them, and they keep falling off with no zucchini. And I don't know what's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I can say nothing else, but it's the weather, re- you know, weather related. You, it's too cool at night, maybe, and well, now all of it's, a sudden you get... Yeah, the combination of just everything, extremely hot, you know, this, that, and everything else. Just the wild combinations of things we're having, we're having, you know, six or seven or 10 days or 12 days with no rainfall, and then we're getting just drowned. And so all those different factors are playing a big role in production. Okay. So I've got plenty of honeybees flying around. I always make sure i got a little clover so I don't cut it all off. Right. I thought maybe there wasn't enough of them or they weren't cross-pollinating or something, you know. No, I don't think it has anything to do with the bees or anything else. It's just... The screwy weather. 
It's just, oh, okay. uh, you know, had a... I was wondering, but uh, ain't much we can do about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, there isn't. <laughs> well, I thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Tracy and I were in a grocery store, speaking of uh, crops and things like that, and there was actually some locally grown corn from Granite City. And there was, uh, the grocery store had really quite a few uh, ears of corn. And uh, it doesn't, didn't look like necessarily the size of the classic corn that you get that's professionally grown some other place. But I didn't think this would, you know, corn would be, you know, productive up this early. You know, it shows you that, uh, hmm, kind of caught me by surprise to see that much from a, a place up in Granite City. So if you do have any questions or concerns, we have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have phone lines open. Let's head over to Vince's yard. Hi, Vince. Yeah, hi, Mike. I was listening to uh, you talking to that man who I believe had his tree taken out and was having mushrooms that he couldn't get rid of. Right. Right. Uh, You told him that nothing could be done, but uh, there is something that could be done, which is what I did, and that is in the spring after I had had a red maple tree. It was about 25 years old, pretty big. It was taken down. In the spring, I got out. And I got all the shavings out. I got a pick and shovel, and I dug up as many of the roots as I could find. Whoa. Uh, And not an easy job when you're in your mid-60s. So it took me a while, but uh, then I filled it in with uh, that black gold compost, Mm -hmm. put down some sod, and by late spring I had a pretty nice lawn where a tree was. Well, great. I mean, that's a good, certainly, I mean, if you do eliminate the root system, that would work. But uh, he had a sweet gum tree that was, uh, you know, and that's a lot of work. So I admire you for being able to dig up as many roots as you were able to. Well, it was a red maple tree, so it had kind of surface roots. Right. Uh, So a lot of horizontal roots, roots. So I was able to get them pretty close to the surface. Uh, But then, you know, once I filled it all in with that compost, uh, I was able to lay down sod really nice, and it came out really nice. Well, I'm sure, and from digging up uh, all those roots, I'm sure your biceps are just massive. <laughs> no, 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 it was a lot of work. I, uh, early spring, I, wouldn't, I would not try to do it this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little hot this time of year. But, yeah, well, great. Well, thanks for that insight. Okay, thank you. Sure. And now let's head over to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. Hi. Um, I'm having trouble with my tomato plants. Normally, I don't have this problem, but something is chewing off the leaves on the very tip top of the plant. And I'm looking for a tomato worm, but I see nothing. Are you checking the underside of the leaves? Oh, the underside of the leaves. Yes. Well, there's no leaves left on the very top where they're uh, chewing, but I haven't looked under the leaves, no. Right. And I guess it wouldn't have to be a great big fat worm. It could be a small. Right, exactly. And also, the best time to check is earlier in the morning and check the underside of the leaf and then along the stems, too. Okay. 
And is there a spray or something? Uh, or certainly, if I see a worm, I'll pull them off. Right. But. That's probably the best thing to do is just do that. I mean, there are uh, you know, organic insecticides that you can use. There's pl- several different types, so you can just head to your favorite garden center and tell them that you want to have something organic to be able to spray to kill s- some insects that are on mm. your, you know, your tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But beyond that. Uh, I say just pick them off if you see them. Right. Okay. I know it's not the deer because the deer wouldn't leave a little stem. They just mow it right on down. Right. And they generally don't like tomatoes all that much. That's not to say they won't eat them, but that's not one of their favorites. Good. Good. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Right. Thank you very much. Sure. I appreciate your show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. And we do have phone lines open, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I was surprised, uh, not surprised, but, I mean, the amount of lightning that we're having lately is just unbelievable. And the other night we had a lightning strike. It must have been right above our house because you could, uh, I mean, I could kind of hear the static as a result of the lightning strike. And uh, I talked about this last week, but there's what. Like more than a thousand people get struck by lightning every year, and that's just in the United States. And then oh, up to a hundred of those people that get struck actually die from that. So, in lightning, well, I mean, lightning is really kind of interesting in the fact that it causes some nutrients to come out of the sky and land on your plant material. So it does actually make your plant material better. So, what is atmospheric? Nitrogen fixing lightning breaks apart nitrogen molecules, enabling the atoms to combine with oxygen to form nitrogen oxides. And that dissolves in rain and then will fall to the earth. And then that actually, you know, fertilizes your foliage on your plant and your plant materials and everything else, too. So just keep that in mind. Lightning is dangerous, but also it's beneficial to your plants. So. Let's head now over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Yeah, hello there. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I had a couple of questions about a potted plant. We've had trouble with our boxwoods in the front yard, so we thought we'd put them in a pot where the soil is better. So my question is, uh, what type of soil should I put in the pot, and what type of boxwood would do well in a big pot? Uh, probably I would get the, the boxwood with a smaller leaf, so microphylla, so, my, you know, okay. as opposed to just a standard. And then also I would make sure that you get uh, whatever pot you get it has drainage holes in the bottom, and then I'd use potting mix and not potting soil. Is that the one that already like has fertilizer in it and stuff? Well, it doesn't necessarily have fertilizer because you're going to have to be fertilizing it anyway. But it has, it's well drained because some of the potting soils are not as well drained. And then sometimes in a pot, especially for like broadleaf evergreens, like a boxwood is, uh, they don't really want a real wet circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about putting a few little rocks down in the bottom of the pot to promote drainage. I guess that. Is reasonable. What time of year should we try to plant this boxwood? Uh, you could, uh, it depends upon how daring you want to be. 
you can play. You can go ahead if you can get them. In le- I would ne- not, probably not necessarily because we don't know what the weather is going to be like and how much care is going to take and everything else. But my tendency would be to wait into, for about another month or so into mid to late August and then probably plant them in the pot at that time. That will give them a couple months to get acclimated to growing in the pot, get their root systems established in the potting mix, and then they can go to sleep for winter time. The pot's about 20 inches deep. Is that deep enough for a potted plant? Oh, yeah, that's plenty deep. How, how about diameter-wise? I think it's 15 or 18 feet across the top. Feet? <laughs> feet? Whoa, inches. that is a big pot. Uh, 15 inches, I think. Okay. So, yeah, just get the, you know, the microfile of the small-leaf boxwood. Advice. Sure. And I probably wouldn't get one that's any bigger than a maybe a three or a five gallon pot because I mean, some of the places will have them in bur, you know, bald and burlap. Yeah. I wouldn't get that. I'd get one that's already sort of has a, his its personal history has already been in a pot. So uh-huh. and when you pull it out of the pot that you're in and you're going to plant it, kind of, sh- you know, shake some of the existing you know potting mix that it's growing in off of it as you put it down into the new pot. And then just make sure that the top of the root ball is uh, above the surrounding ground. Excellent. Okie doke. Will do. That way, if there's any kind of settling or anything else, so just be be cautious of that. And then watch out. uh, I don't know what kind of exposure that you have or anything else or why you weren't having good luck with the boxwood in the ground. But... uh, this past winter slash, you know, late fall was detrimental to a lot of the boxwood and uh, just, you know, kind of keep that in mind. So let's go over to Virginia's yard. Hi, Virginia. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, I have two questions on vegetables. Um, my pepper plants, they have peppers on them already, but there's no new peppers coming on it. There's no new flowers coming on it. And I was wondering what's the problem there. And then I have on my tomato plants, they're producing tomatoes. I have a lot of tomatoes, but the tomatoes toward the top of the plant are starting to uh, curl up. And I was wondering what is that lacking? The, t- the tomatoes are curling or the, t- the tomato? The, the, leaves, the leaves are okay. curling up. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably my, you know, my guess is it's weather related as far as that goes. And some of the varieties of peppers, they only produce one, let's say, flush of peppers. They don't do continuous, re, you know, refruiting. So it might be variety-wise as far as what you're, you know, why you're having that experience with the peppers that you have, you know, peppers set, but there's no new flowering. No new flowering. So that could be... Variety-wise. Just the way it is variety. Right. So in other words... One- in the future, okay. you know, check with your favorite garden center wherever you buy these, and find out which variety that they have that's going to be that's going to continuously produce, you know, peppers for you. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, K M West Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. But if you have any questions, three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 
Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we still got a couple minutes in this hour, and let's head over to Brian's yard. Hi, Brian. Hi. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Love your show. Hey, got a question. I had a catastrophic pool failure, so I decided to plant two watermelon plants and an uh, 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 eggplant. And what are the odds of survival if I transplant those? Uh, I understand I could probably get a decent enough root ball, but dragging those vines about 20 feet, Ooh. you had any luck with that, or do you know anything or anybody that might have done that? Ah, boy, I don't have any experience with that. And to be honest with you, I don't know if, you know, I have not heard of anybody doing that. So, I mean, you could give it a try and see what happens. But you said you have two? I have two black diamond watermelon plants, and they're doing great. And the the watermelons are about as big as cantaloupes right now. Um, But I'm getting another pool put in, a bigger one. So I was going to try to swing them over about 15 foot. Ooh. transplant them, and I just don't know. <laughs> I know they can transplant a heart and, and a liver, but I wasn't for sure if I could move a watermelon plant that far, but I was going to give her a shot, but didn't know if you had any tips or Yeah, you can give it a try, but I don't think you're going to have success with it. I don't either. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Love your show. Sure. Thank okay. you, and let's head over to Mike Shard. Hi, Mike. Hi, good morning. How are you doing? Very good. Hey, I appreciate all you do here. A uh, question about nuts edge, which I'm sure is one of your favorite topics, but uh, I've got uh, pretty widespread area-wise concentrations, and I'm sure is either uh, leaking irrigation or just uh, wet spots in general. I think it's probably too big area-wise for uh, for sprays. Is there something I should be doing for control for next year? Uh, there's not really too much you can do. I mean, an herbicide spray directly onto it, so uh, the plants won't produce any seed and drop seed that's, you know, I mean, it is a perennial, and it will come back from the root system. But, uh, I mean, going after it with a, you know, nut sedge killer is about the only thing you're going to be able to do. And then ultimately, once you get it, let's say, somewhat under control, then work the soil to, you know, elevate it so it's not a low wet spot. Sure. Gotcha. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Sure. My pleasure. And the gentleman talking about the tomato, uh, his watermelon, and trying to move him, and I said, uh, it probably really won't work. But here's some uh, things about the you know, watermelons in general. They're members of the cucumber family, and uh, they include, in that same family, includes cucumbers, squash, pumpkins, and muskmelons as well. Members of the family are monoecious, meaning they bear separate male and female flowers on the same plant. And the edible part of the watermelon is known as peepo, P-E-P-O. And that's when it's ripened, the ovary fruit, you know, will be watery fresh, watery flesh, (laughs) and have a hard rind. And uh, from a usage standpoint, watermelon is consumed as a fruit, but is still classified as a vegetable. Hmm, interesting. Here's some other watermelon trivia as well. First recorded watermelon was harvested over 5,000 years ago, and that was actually in Egypt. And because of the great water content, many explorers use watermelon as canteens, which, hmm, that seems a little bit strange to carry a watermelon around so you can get the moisture. But, uh, you know, when things are dry, that's what you have to do. And uh, there's over 1,200 varieties of watermelon grown across 96 countries worldwide. 
and China is the first in the worldwide you know, watermelon production. I wouldn't think China would be number one, but uh, when you go to Chinese restaurants or anything, they don't seem to have watermelon as as part of the menu. But the uh, United States only ranks seventh out of all that. And in the United States, more than $5 million worth of watermelon are grown commercially every year with Georgia being the most let's say growing the most watermelons and Missouri ranks in the seventh place. I don't know exactly where Illinois is in that. And uh, just the record of watermelon seed spitting, which you know, as kids, we used to love to do that. The spitting was 75 feet, which I kind of find that hard to believe, but uh, it was at a festival in Georgetown, Texas, but who could spit something 75 feet, you know, that's just kind of incredible. So I don't know what you know what the weather's going to be like today, but uh, this is a good time if you like to do some hand weeding. The ground is soft, and it's easy to get the weeds up out of the ground because if you've gone out into your yard and tried to do some hand weeding uh, when the soil is dry, it is very, very difficult. When it's like this, uh, probably even after the show today, once I get home, I'm going to do some weeding because a couple of beds that are in between the sidewalk and street. Uh, I don't know exactly how, well, you know, how many, you know, how many different types of varieties of grasses and broadleaf weeds there are, but uh, I'm slowly but surely got them almost under control. So I'm going to do a little bit of hand weeding if it's not raining later on today, because it makes it so much easier when the ground is damp. And um, another thing too, when they're predicting rain, I always like to water before the predicted rain shows up because it softens the ground, and that means the rainwater can penetrate deeper into the ground. So it really is to the advantage of the plant material. If you let your if you let the ground just be dry and it rains, a lot of times it doesn't soften up enough of the soil at the surface, so a lot of it will just run off and doesn't soak down into the ground very deep and then so consequently the root systems of whether it's lawn perennials annuals trees shrubs or anything else is really not going to get to the not get the advantage of all the water that is coming down and as you know we've had plenty of calls through the years and what the plant material really needs is about an inch of water every seven days and uh when we get some of these, you know, some of these rainfalls, I mean, I don't know how much actually there is coming down. I don't actually measure it, but I know it's way more than an inch. So then you got to back off on doing the watering because a lot of times people will have some kind of routine where, well, we water a half hour every day. And so if it's not raining, yes, they're going to be watering. But if it's just rained recently, you may be causing more problems than you're doing good. So just kind of keep that in mind before you start just getting into a habit of just doing watering routinely just because it's, well, it's just been two days. Other things that you need to be watching for is uh, this is a good time of year. To f if you're going to do some pruning on your azaleas or rhododendrons, Get it done ASAP because you want to do the pruning right after, you know, finished fl flowering. And they finished flowering like two, almost three months ago now. 
So uh, you want to do the pruning, or if you're going to do pruning, to me, it's to my, uh, or my recommendation is don't do any pruning on your azaleas or rhododendrons because it's just not, uh, if they're too big, then congratulations on your ability to be able to grow them. Other things that you need to be thinking about is with your mower, just make sure that you sharpen your mower blade occasionally because if you don't, what it does is it kind of shreds the top of the blade as you cut it off with the mower, and that shredding can lead to you know potential fungus problems. So just keep that in mind. And understand that um, the spring, uh, the summer bulbs should be exact, you know, really spectacular right now. So whether they're elephant ears or cannas or anything else, they should be real striking. And if they're not, hmm, that's too bad. So anyway, Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. We will have phone line. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's open when we come out of the news, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And yes, this is a KMOX Garden Hotline second hour, which is a tip of the trial. Special on-air recognition, individual group, or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. But right now, if you have any questions or ideas or concerns or comments, just give us a call, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Then we can talk about it. And thanks for inviting me onto your show where discussions can range from making a plant selection and should you be buying plant material this time of year and installing it with the way our weather is. If you're very careful and very cautious, there shouldn't be a problem with it. But if you're kind of like uh, hit and miss and stuff, I would say, Wait until the weather starts cooling down a little bit 
before you start buying any kind of plant material. But it's really strictly up to you because you can have success with planting in the heat of the summertime. Just going to take more care in relationship to the weather that we have. So when I share my thoughts, please remember my comments and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success, but strictly offered for you to consider. And by the way, another very important player is Drew. He will answer the phone. He just needs your first name when you call, and uh, then I'll put it up on the, comp- the caller screen, and then I can talk to you about what's going on in your landscape world or your plant world. And I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come out to your plant world and for an on-site consultation, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. And as I said before, today's tip of the trowel is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trowel goes out to all the dog walkers. The majority of and definitely, I would have to say, 90% or whatever of the dog walkers in my neighborhood that I see routinely, they do carry plastic bags with them. And when their dog does go to the bathroom, takes a poop, then they stop and pick it up, and then they drop it off into uh, a dumpster. So I thank all the dog walkers. I love to see the dogs out walking and the dog walkers. I mean, there's so many different varieties of dogs. I always kind of look at the people and see, let's see, does that dog look like they go with the people? And the majority of them do. There are a few that uh, are kind of mismatched as far as some of the dogs are so strong. You see him, uh, the dog will try to go, well, I want to go this way, and the person wants to go this way, and the dog will jerk. <laughs> and So it's just it's great entertainment and fun. We're not able to have dogs right now ourselves. I've had dogs in the past. I've had Irish setters, which I don't see any Irish setters anymore, so I don't know. I guess they're just not a popular dog, but uh, I like the long hair that the Irish setters had, and then I had... Uh, Irish Setter uh, Lab Mix. So that was kind of the combination of dogs that we had. And growing up, we had beagles. So that was when uh, growing up in Ellisville, (laughs) had quite a fun time with the beagles in our yard. So let's go ahead and get a couple calls in before we go to break. Let's go to Norm's. Hi, Norm. How are you? Mike, thanks for taking our call. Is there such a thing... Has too much overseeding of your yard. Over too much. There can be too much, but also, it's the timing is going to be very important. So, overseeding any kind of seeding that you're going to do, don't do it in the heat of the summertime because it's very stressful for the plant's seeds, the grass seed, as it germinates and then it's facing. Even if you're doing adequate watering and everything else. The heat can really do some damage, and you could really, uh, let's say, lose the aesthetic value and lose the financial circumstance by seed, you know putting seed down in the summertime. But best time to put seed down is going to be in the fall, sometime between mid to late August all the way up through. I probably wouldn't do too much past uh, 
mid to late October. But uh, overseeding, if you do t- you're doing too much, uh, I don't think so. But if you just, I mean, just just be logical about it. Our lawn was not doing well the past several years, so we started aerating and overseeding. Okay. And there's been a big improvement. So now here we are at year number three. The yard, the grass is looking pretty good. So that was really the question. Should we go ahead, aerate, and overseed again? Yes, I wouldn't have any problem doing that at all. So I think that's you know that's smart to do. And with our, our goofy weather, I don't know, you know what type of seed you're putting down. If it's a bluegrass or a fescue, it doesn't really matter. But I always recommend doing blends as opposed to just one t- particular variety of one particular thing. And uh, so overseeding routinely, there's nothing wrong with doing that whatsoever. What's the latest point in the season? I know it's usually September. You know, what's the latest that you can do that? Probably, you know, putting seed down. If you get to, you know, past Halloween, mid to late October, again, it's going to be weather dependent. Uh, for the seed to actually germinate, get well established before you know we have some you know cold weather that could do some damage. So I would say around Halloween would be the last time I'd be putting seed down. Okay, appreciate your help. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Now there are probably landscape uh, contractors and lawn services and things like that. They may put seed down later, but. Uh, for us, you know, individual homeowners, I think uh, that's, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing it, but uh, having great success is something you got to just think about our, let's say, goofy weather. Let's see, where should we go? Let's go to Vern's yard. Hi, Vern. Hello, Hi. Mike. Uh, call in regards to uh, uh, just recently had a, you might say, a tack of goats. Uh, they got into the... Uh, uh, my fruit trees, which I have pear, apple, cherry, peach, and all them, it crawled up the fences and uh, actually got higher up into the uh, tree and broke a lot of limbs off and all this stuff and almost defoliaged most of them Whoa. except for the top part. And uh, the fences are all just down. They had I had big fences around it, uh, five, six foot high. But uh, my neighbor's goats got in there and uh, kind of destroyed them. Almost, but I was wondering about trim them. Should I wait till the fall or winter time and trim them, or should I go ahead and just trim them up now? Anything, any branches, any branches, you know, has a, a crack or a wound or that's you know snapped or anything. Get, go ahead and get that cut off now. I wouldn't do any okay. just routine pruning, but uh, with you know, because what can happen is. You know how they set their flower, you know, flowering slash fruiting after the flowering is going to be, you know, in the fall. So just watch out about doing any kind of pruning. But any damage, I would get rid of that ASAP. Even like the the ends of the, some of the limbs are, you know, good, but the ends are like frayed. Yeah. Kind of not them, just cut them ends off. Yeah, exactly. And make your cuts at a 45 degree angle. Okay, do that. All righty. 
Now, hopefully they come back with some leaves. <laughs> <laughs> really? I've so, never heard of goats climbing up into fruit trees and doing damage that way. Oh, uh, this fence goes around them about, uh, I guess it's about three to four feet out. And it's um, uh, two inch by four. And it's about six six foot high is the way we had it. Gee whiz. And, but they got in there and they actually ripped the fences apart. Man, uh, oh, man. To get to it. So, all righty. And I thank you. Yep. So I'll get busy on that then. Good luck with that. Yeah, any kind of, and this is for anybody, you know, that has damage this time of year due to storms or goats. Uh, anything that's broken, get it cut off as soon as possible because any kind of open wound, when it's raining, water can get down into even just cracks and things like that, and could cause some, you know, internal rotting or, you know, let's say trigger a possibility of have, having some kind of internal rotting. So just kind of good, make a good cut and a smart cut, and uh, that's the best thing to do, any kind of damage. That's why you see when we have some of these storms, there's so many tree services out all over the place. It's unbelievable. We were, I forget where we were driving the other day. And I mean, on one street, we saw four different tree services because there was like that many different trees and that many different yards had some damage to them. So anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's see, where should we go? Let's head over to Liz's yard. Hi, Liz. Hi. Um, Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I have a problem with I want to feed the birds, but the squirrels... I don't know. They they just come by the hordes, and I don't I don't know what to do because I can't feed the birds when the uh, squirrels are eating all the food. <laughs> well, there are you know there are some bird feeders that w- the squirrels can get into, or you can actually have a you know put your bird feeder up on a post and then put like a a metal sh- you know metal I guess dome halfway up the post that the squirrel can't get around. But, uh, yeah, there's really not too much you can do because, I mean, they don't have anything else to do except look for food. And once they find a source, which I've had that problem myself, I feed the birds with uh, throwing the bird seed out onto the sidewalk. And sometimes it really aggravates me at how long the, the squirrels will sit there and just eat and eat and eat and eat. And there's not really too much you can do other than try to physically create a circumstance which will keep the squirrels out of, away from the bird seed. Okay, but the birds will get some seed. I have two, um, what do you call those, bird baths in the yard for the birds. Um, but the birds will get some food even if the squirrels get some? Yeah, I mean... The squirrels will don't necessarily eat all the different kinds of seeds, so I always got to blend. Now, they will go after any kind of sunflower for sure. So uh, the birds that like the sunflowers, eh, they may, you know, but anyway. Yes, they sold me a bag of blend. Right. 
to attract songbirds and all kinds of birds. So, okay, well, I'll, I'll try to uh, put some in the trees, and I'll try to, um, I don't know. I guess that's the answer, putting them up high. Yeah, and not necessarily in a tree because the squirrels can climb a tree. Putting up uh, on a post is going to be much more to the advantage. Oh, okay, okay. And you can buy those that go in the ground. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. And I thank you very much. Well, sure, my pleasure. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, there's a, the, basically a, you can buy, a, I don't want to say a whole kit, but a kit that's going to have the post with the bird seed holder on top of it. And then it'll have kind of a dome that's, you, you know, that's going to be two-thirds of the way up that a squirrel can't climb around. So, but you're going to have to install a post, and it's not going to be all that easy. But uh, if you're really serious about it and you want to get those squirrels out of there, well, they're still going to come around. But uh, anyway, let's head over to Jim's yard now. Hi, Jim. Hello? Hi. Hi. Uh, I had heard that you can snip off a uh, part of a weeping willow tree and uh, grow it like that into a tree. Have well, you heard that? Do you know anything about that? Well, you can do that, but you're going to have to get some rooting hormone. You're going to have to, you know, you can't just cut it off and stick it into the ground and expect it to grow. Now, there potentially that could happen, but the chances of it happening are pretty minimal. Could you root it, like, in a flower vase first? Well, uh, so, you're still going to get—what you're going to do is you're going to cut it and uh, probably maybe 18 inches, remove uh, at the bottom about 6 inches of the leaves, and then dip the t- the tip that you where you've cut it into a rooting hormone and then plant that. At, you can put it into a pot or you can put it into the ground. Okay. Uh, is there a good time of the year to do that, or a better time of the year? Yeah, probably uh, my tendency would be when the weather is, you know, when the ground is warmest, and that's the transplanting time of year, and that's going to mean fall as opposed to spring. In the heat of the summertime, the disadvantage of doing it then is because of the weather getting so hot that, uh, the you know, the before the root system gets established, the the cutting could actually just be baked by the heat of the summertime. So fall is going to be by the best time of year. Okay, I appreciate the information. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you. Yep, and let's see what's going on in Tony's yard. Hi, Tony. Mike, how you doing? It's um, I'm in University City, and I grow Amanda Villas in pots that um, that go up like a balcony I have. And I'm just trying to get a good idea of what is a good routine for watering them. How much water do they need? I grew some last year. They did great. This year I planted some a little bit late, but I'm just trying to get them to to really grow well, and I don't want to overwater. Sometimes I think I'm overwatering. Yeah, so as long as you have well, you know, a well-drained pot circumstance, and if you do have a saucer because you have a balcony or whatever, just mm-hmm. don't let the water sit there. So after the after you water and it runs down through, and if there's water in the saucer, just dump it. And probably uh-huh. it's just going to depend upon exposure and everything else. But I always just advise people the, to look on the interior side of the pot, and if you start to see that the potting mix that it's growing in is where whether it's mandevilla or anything else, 
has shrunk away from, you know, the inside of the pot. It's, so there's a gap, you know, then go ahead and water it at that time. So not when it looks dry, but in other words, it actually it's, it's, it's receding away from the edge. Right, of the pot. exactly. That way you don't have to worry about overwatering because that's okay. a lot of times that's more problematic than underwatering. Yeah, because sometimes it looks kind of listless, and I think it might be from the overwatering. Also, on Abravite, um, I've got some that are about four and a half feet high, and I'm, they're kind of bushy. I, I haven't grown on the side of my house. Is it okay time now to just to shape them up a little bit? I, I would say probably not. Okay. It, may, it may be okay. It's just, again, when you cut off anything in this, you know, this time of year, you're exposing the needles of the arborvitae that have been shaded by the t- part that you've cut off to full, you know, potentially full sun or to brighter sun, and you could get a little sunburn on it. So then what you've tried to achieve, you, the aesthetic value may be even less than what you had hoped for. Okay. So wait until, like, August or, or September? Yeah. Wait until, you know, things, until the sun's less... Put it this way, less intense. Gotcha. All right, listen, thank you very much for your show, and I really enjoy it. Appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hello, how are you doing today? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I have a 35 to 40-foot pin oak tree in my front yard, and I just noticed a 15-foot crack that runs right up the street on the west side of it, I guess the crack is probably three sixteenths, but it's very consistent and goes straight up. Well, I wouldn't be overly concerned with that, to be honest with you. So, I mean, you may. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. As long as a tree looks healthy, I mean, sometimes that could, you know, for a crack to be like that is on the west side of an older tree that can't be sun scald or anything along that line it doesn't sound like a lightning strike because i don't think it would be you know the size and where you where you're talking about it but uh there's really nothing you can do if you start to see the bark get loose where the crack is pull any kind of loose bark off but other than that just don't do anything Okay, so don't put any, like, uh, pruning spray or anything on it? Just let nature take its course? Yeah, those those sprays and stuff are really not going to do all that much help. Okay. All right, well, thank you again so much for taking my call. Appreciate your program. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Yes, folks. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go over to Maryland's yard. Hi, Maryland. Yes. Uh, I had the same problem that the previous caller had about his pin oaks. Ah. Uh, to the, with a the crack on the south side of my, of one, I've got three pin oaks, four, four pin oaks, 
and only one of them has cracked in the south side. I, I noticed that late last winter. Then I watched it, and then all of a sudden, another crack appeared on the northwest side, and it goes well. It goes up maybe 40 feet. I mean, as far as I can see, and uh, uh, then uh, a black ooze started occurring about uh, four feet from the surface, and uh, I've been watching that. It's, it seems to be getting worse, so I'm kind of concerned as to what to do. There's really not going to be too much that you can do, to be honest with you. So, I mean, well, it's it's it, obviously it, an environmentally it, it, related type thing. And uh, you could get a tree service to come out, but I don't think they're going to be able to do anything that's going to, let's say, seal the crack. Yeah. What I'm concerned is the tree disease. Well, you have to take, take it out or maybe a storm might blow it over. I think, you know, I, to me, it's, it, I mean, it, it's definitely a concern, but uh, if the tree is overall healthy and everything else, then this is just one of those things that, uh, you know, kind of happens. I hate to put it that way, but that's kind of what I feel. Okay. Well, that answers my question. I'll just keep an eye on it. Right. And like I said, you can have a tree service come out and see, you know, what they may recommend, but I don't know if they're what they can do is going to make that much difference. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you very much for the information. I really appreciate your service. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Jerry's yard. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Thank uh, you so much. Sure. Um, I've got a few questions, if that's all right. But I've got a row of about uh, 16 Korean boxwood, boxwoods. And a month ago, I noticed that uh, many of them had dead spots within them. And um, it wasn't the entire branch. You know, it was just it, little clusters of leaves. So I, I kind of pruned them all out and everything looked great again. And uh, just the other day, I'm noticing again, you know, more of these dead spots. And, um, you know, I'm not sure what to do. I thought I'd call the doctor. <laughs> well, how old are these boxwood? Oh, over 10 years. Yeah. So my guess is it's probably an age factor as much as anything else them related you know, even if you haven't had a history of these kind of problems, boxwood just in general, and if it's, you know, the the tips, then it's going to be a little bit more concerning than if the, let's say, the dead or the brownish leaves are on the interior. That's just something that's going to be natural. Uh, yeah, these are kind of noticeable towards the towards the outer part of the plant and right. reach in just a little bit. But, uh, yeah. And they've just gotten to hedge height, you know. I've been waiting for them. It's, well, maybe eight years old. I don't know, but it's a shame to, but but uh, you don't think you don't think they're going on boxwood hospice, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> Good. Okay. So it, I'll just kind of keep pruning the dead parts away and right. kind of pray for them. Yeah, and the Korean is not the exactly, is not the best boxwood for here, so... I mean, it is, it's tough and durable, but uh, what you could do is uh, you can go online at the Missouri Botanical Garden website and, you know, put your problem in there and see what they say about it. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Um, also, if I may ask a, a couple other quick questions, I've got a, a thunderhead pine. It's a conifer called a thunderhead. And it loves where it is. It's getting huge. I think it's gorgeous. It's been there uh 15 years maybe 
but the wife doesn't like it so big. Sounds like I might want to wait until September or October before I prune it down, as based on a previous call, since it's so hot these days. Right, yeah. Do the, you know, that's definitely probably I would, if you can, I'd even wait till as we, you know, not do it in the fall as we're coming out of wintertime sometime after the first of the year. I'd probably do the pruning at that time. Gotcha. All righty. I appreciate that. And uh, my last question is, um, we love hostas, but uh, where we really need them is kind of a sunny area. Are there any hostas that like sun that are don't end up huge? No. (laughs) (laughs) They uh, they're going to sunburn if regardless. Now the ones that uh, you know are solid leaf color, the ones that have the bluish cast are going to be a little bit tougher in the sun. But any that are variegated or any of the ones that are kind of a more palish green, they're going to sunburn really bad. Okay. All righty. I'll have to break break that news to the wife, too. <sighs> uh, well, I sure appreciate your, your help and your service to the community. Thank you. Well, my pleasure. And thanks for having me on your show. Let's head out, over to Terry's now. Hi, Terry. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I think I may have a little bit of a solution for uh, your squirrel problems. Ah. Um, what you do is you get a um, a six foot or eight foot uh, tall hole with the uh, shepherd hook on it, and then go to the, your local uh, dollar store and buy the biggest can of uh, of Vaseline. And what you do is. You just take, put your finger in it, and you take and put globs of Vaseline on that pole. When the squirrels go start climbing up to get on the uh, under the feeder, they'll slide down immediately. <laughs> it's the funniest thing to watch. And grab your favorite beverage and sit sit there at, at your window and get ready to watch them because it's hilarious. Oh. Um, so then go keep trying. Um, like the newer squirrels that come in, they'll, they'll so you got to, in the beginning, you have to go out there. Um, and when, the, when the Vaseline starts coming off and it, from them, put more Vaseline on there. Right. Eventually they won't even try anymore. Sure. And it, it doesn't take that long. Really? They, yeah. They do not want Vaseline on their paws. Uh, I don't blame them, but uh, you'd think the young ones that hadn't had the experience would be, you know, each year trying to get a, you know, give it a shot or give it a try. But that's uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I have my, my, I don't, I'm not feeding the birds right now, but I have my pole right out from my patio. Right. And it still has Vaseline on it from the winter time. Oh, you're kidding. And no, yeah. no. So it, it's really an easy solution. Um, I, uh, was working at a hardware store and a local hardware store and uh, more people would come in with this problem. And uh, so, you know, some people, they look at me like I'm crazy, you know, but the the fact is um, it works. That's but it's, yeah. It's not going to work if you have your feet around a tree. Right. But, but if you get, just buy your, you know, uh, your typical uh, um, seven, eight foot, shepherd pole um um pole with shepherd hook right um it'll work it'll work perfect and i was just curious now 
with Vaseline when it you know runs down the pole. Mm-hmm. What do you have at the base that? Because uh, I'm sure it could do some damage to any kind of lawn or perennials no, or anything. No, 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 nothing. I I just have it in the lawn, and uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, for the most part, it stays on their paws. Oh, really? Yeah, like like I say, we've had really hot weather, and I'm looking at it right now, and, and there's still globs of Vaseline that I put on it this winter. Wow. <laughs> so it's not melting off. Wow, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. So at first, I used the, you know, the, the Vaseline from the from the from Walgreens or drugstore, and then I thought, heck, I'm just going to go to the dollar store and buy a, a big one, you know. Right. And um, so. Um, all I can say is if you have a shepherd pole um, in your feet, you got your bird feeder on there, give it a try. Yeah, and, and that I, sounds I good. Think, I think you'll be uh, you'll be happy with the results. Well, thanks for the insight. All right. Have a good day. Yep. And now let's head over to Mix. Hi, Mick. A couple questions for you as well. Girlfriend has a Mexican petunia plant that's in a pot. Are you are you familiar with those at all? Yeah. Okay. It's outside. Uh, it it grew great. It blooms like crazy, and she takes it out in the spring, brings it in the fall. You know, year after year. Uh huh. We had friends down from Lincoln, Illinois, a couple weeks ago, and that girl told us that she has well, well, at least one of them. But she, hers are planted in the yard. She leaves them out year-round. Is that – I, I don't know if we're talking about the same plant here. I would not think you that it would be the same variety, but uh, maybe it is. I mean, there's certain things that you don't you know, consider to be like a calla lily. I've been to people's homes that's had great success making the calla lily a perennial-type you know, circumstance or situation. Uh-huh. So uh, that could certainly be the case. Now this is this thing blooms like crazy, and the and the flowers are there, and the next day they've all fallen off. <laughs> By the end of the day, there's there's a, another batch of flowers on it. It's, right. Yeah, they're prolific. It's an interesting plant. Well, I got a I got a harder one for you. I have a mimosa tree that that you helped me with about 15 years ago, and I planted it. Um. It's done. It's huge. I mean, it's better than I could have ever wanted. And it usually has a full canopy of the pink flowers. This year, I have one branch with maybe five or six flowers clear out on the end and nothing else. No blooms. No blooms. There's, there's mimosa trees within a couple blocks of me that are still in full bloom. I I don't know what happened here. Well, I would say just the exposure and everything else, the age and all those other factors played a, played a role in your particular tree this particular year not blooming as opposed to what it normally should. But, it sh- you know, if you've had a history of good blooms and everything else, it's just got to be the individual circumstance of that setting with that particular tree. Well, 15 years isn't old for those, is it? No. I mean, they they do get old, and they can start becoming dysfunctional. 
but it's not going to just turn off that fast. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, I'm. Wait till next year, yeah. Yeah, we'll just we'll just have to wait till next year. Yeah, and see what happens. Mark it on your calendar. I'll call you back. Okay, great. Thanks. Let's go over to Greg's yard and see what's going on. Hi, Greg. <clears throat> yeah, hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, thanks hi. for taking my call. Sure. Um, well, my wife and I have a nice wooden deck out back, and we have some nice planted uh, annuals and perennials. And, and uh, yesterday, actually it's happened twice now, we found in one of our uh, ceramic pots that had geraniums and petunias and uh, some lobelia, I think. I'm not sure what else is in there. Anyway, a nice, fat, young, uh, 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 not a beaver, but a groundhog just laying on there, happily chewing away and eating all of our petunias. <laughs> so um, is there something uh, besides putting a wire screen around it and a bunch of stuff we don't want to do, uh, which we've done for other things. Is there something we can do to sprinkle any magic potions to sprinkle on the flowers that'll keep those guys out of there? Well, it's surprising that groundhogs are you know coming into there. But anyway, I would just go to your favorite garden center. There are repellents that you could use. Some are grain okay. or some are, you know, liquid, and just uh, maybe a combination of the two or just, you know, try one and see if it's going to work. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if it's a ground. It looks like a ground, but it's like a marmot. It's furry and kind of plump and looks like a groundhog, but I don't know what it is. But it was just sitting there. So, um, okay. Well, we'll give that a shot. By the way, the other just comment on your previous callers, uh, Vaseline greasing of his uh, bird feeder pole. Um, I use axle grease. I've been using axle grease on my shepherd's hook for years, and and it works just as well, too. I don't know which one's cheaper. Uh, <laughs> and, and his comment that is have a drink and get ready for entertainment is very true. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Well, that, thanks for the okay. insight. Okay. And now let's head over to Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Oh, hey, Mike. Um, I've got a 25-year-old uh, Japanese red maple tree, and it's it's kind of thinned out all throughout, um, you know, dead branches. Um, I, I'd say maybe a third of the tree has got dead branches on it. Ooh. Is it past its life expectancy, or did our summer just do all this? Well, I think that's just an aging process, so... I would any of the branches that have lost their foliage, just go ahead and cut those out. It doesn't necessarily mean that aesthetically, you know, is this one that has a very ferny leaf, or is this one that's a, it grows like an umbrella, or is this one, an upright one? Um, what do you mean by upright? Uh, like a regular kind of small tree. Uh, yeah, I mean the tree is probably fifteen feet tall. Okay, so it's not it's not the dissectum variety, which is a little bit weaker. But this should be okay. I mean, just cutting out the, you know, let's say dysfunctional branches, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And I can do that now? Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, just the maples in general like to be pruned in the summertime, and especially when you're just cutting out any kind of dead wood. And now let's head over to Carol's. Hi, Carol. Can you do it kind of quick? Yes. My question is about zucchini 
plants, uh, the the vine looks healthy, no pest, no disease. When it sets on the zucchini, they get about two to three inches long, and then the end turns brown and they start to rot. What causes it and can it be fixed? Uh, it's probably related to the fertilizer you're using. What kind of fertilizer? It's at my kid's garden, and I'm not sure they are fertilizing it at all. Uh, that might be what the problem is then. It needs fertilizer? Yeah. They've, they're going to do better with the fertilizer. Okay. Okay, and so, so that's not the blossom rot like you find on tomatoes. No. So it's okay. not necessarily you know related to a calcium circumstance or anything specifically. So what kind of fertilizer? I would say just uh, tell them to go to their favorite garden center and then— You'll see what the what the that particular garden center has. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, because I mean it's it's got to be related to with watering. Yeah, to a nutrient type thing, but uh, you know it shouldn't be a water related circumstance. If it if the fruits are getting that large and then starting to get some let's say rot at the end of it. Okay, okay. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And uh, everybody just keep in mind that uh, within the month or so, this cool season annual weeds are going to start germinating. So get ready to get that pre-emergent and spread the pre-emergent into your lawn area or into your perennial perennial area. Some of the cool season annual weeds that the pre-emergent will control by spreading the pre-emergent mid to late August are henbit, chickweed, annual bluegrasses, and several others. Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. You got women, you got women on your mind. Have a drink, have a drive. Go out and see what you can find. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.